Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is musical wellness and career coach Katie Zagardi. But first, let's look at the five ways to make money from YouTube. Yes, YouTube doesn't pay all that much, but there is more than one way to actually make money from it. The first is probably the most well-known, and that's through YouTube's partner program. And if you become a YouTube partner, you're then able to monetize your videos and then get money from the advertising that's shown on those videos. The problem is you can't just sign up for it. You have to qualify. And that means you need at least a thousand subscribers on your channel and they have to watch at least 4,000 hours in the previous 12 months. That sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. The next thing is through content ID. Now, every time you upload a video, it actually gets a digital fingerprint and that's used to find other people that are using either your audio or video. So if someone is using your song for their happy birthday video, Content ID is going to contact you and say, what do you want to do? Do you want to allow this to just go on? Do you want to monetize that video? Or do you want to issue a takedown order? Now, this is actually a big moneymaker for record labels and artists. Because on most songs, there are actually far more covers being done on user-generated content. So they're making more money than on the official videos. Next is something called YouTube Premieres, which is fairly new. Now, this is very much like YouTube Live, but it uses a pre-recorded video along with the live chat. And the key here is it allows viewers to donate money while this is going on. So you can collect their donations. Another one is YouTube Cards. And what this is, is a programmed pop-up screen that allows you to sell tickets and merch, or you can even add links to playlists or websites or videos. Now you can have these pop-up screens hit any time during the video and you program when that's going to happen and for how long they stay on, or you can have them automatically pop up at the end of your video. Either way, they're very much underutilized and something that you could use to monetize what you're doing. And finally is channel management. Channel management is basically having someone come in, take over your channel and monetize it for you. And instead of just monetizing a few videos, they will monetize all the content and even issue subscriptions that people will pay for. So there's a lot of ways to make money from YouTube, although all of them aren't that obvious. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyowinnercircle.com. You can also sign up for my free vocal mixing techniques mini course at bobbyosinskicourses.com and download free ebooks and PDF downloads on mixing, production, mastering, and social media at bobbyosinski.com forward slash free hyphen resources. <laughs> Now, recently, the Librarian of Congress added 25 new titles to the National Registry. Yes, there's a National Registry of Songs. There's about 550 of them so far. 
And every year, what happens is the National Recording Preservation Board is tasked with selecting 25 titles that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and are at least 10 years old. So then they supply that list to the Librarian of Congress, who then makes a decision to add them to the National Registry. This year, there are 800 nominations, and these are just some of the 25. I think you're going to find many of them interesting, to say the least. So one that came up that I liked was the 1951 National League Baseball tiebreaker between the New York Giants and Brooklyn Dodgers. That's kind of historic for the call, especially at the end of the game. Here's one that the cultural significance escapes me, but it's Hello Mata, Hello Fada, the comedy record from Alan Sherman from 1963. The Fiddler on the Roof Broadway cast album from 1964 also was selected. One of my favorite songs ever and favorite performances of it, Wichita Lyman by Glenn Campbell, from 1968. Kind of a historic record, Dusty in Memphis by Dusty Springfield, 1969. Here's another one that kind of escapes me. Mr. Rogers sings 21 favorite songs from 1973. Cheap Trick, Live at the Budokan from 1978. Another one that sort of escapes me, YMCA, the single from the Village People from 1978 as well. Private Dancer, the album, from Tina Turner, 1984. The Chronic, by Dr. Dre, 1992. And I Will Always Love You, the single by Whitney Houston from 1992. Frankly, I much prefer the Dolly Parton version. She's actually the songwriter. But there you go, Whitney Houston got the nod. So these are just some of the 25 songs that were recently added to the National Registry. My guest today is Katie Zaccardi, who's a songwriter, artist, music industry professional, and certified yoga instructor. Through her work in both music and wellness, along with her own experience with a generalized anxiety disorder, Katie discovered the urgent need for conversation surrounding mental health and self-care within the music industry. Through her Out to Be coaching platform, Katie supports artists and professionals with a personalized approach centered on cultivating positive actions and attitudes. Her Out to Be podcast invites listeners to engage with insightful dialogue and all things wellness and their relation to working in music. During the interview, we spoke about how imbalances in the body can contribute to anxiety, foods that cause inflammation, dealing with burnout when there's no end in sight, some signs of depression and anxiety that you might be missing, and much more. I spoke with Katie via Skype. Tell me your background as a musician first. So I've been playing music for (laughs) forever. It seems like, I mean, literally one of my first toys was a toy piano and I was like banging on it since I was a newborn. Um, But I did the typical musical theater thing and played piano and guitar when I was growing up. And then I went to college at NYU for music business. And there was when I really not only learned about the music industry, but also started my own indie artist career. I had been writing songs for a while in high school, but 
there I wrote more. I learned how to really improve them. I recorded them, released them and started playing all around New York City. So that was where I really started to take off as an artist myself. And now I still, of course, do that, still write um, and perform around the city. It's a big jump going from music to wellness. How did that happen? Yeah, kind of is. <laughs> so <laughs> a couple things. So first off, when I was in college, it was the start of my time as an you know, indie musician, but also the start of an anxiety disorder that I had dealt with. So during college, during those four years, I really had to learn how to navigate through stressors, figure out what would trigger anxiety for me, figure out how to take care of myself better. And eventually yoga became a really big part of that. And so when I graduated college, I was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And it took me some time to land a full-time job in the music industry. So while I was doing some other odd jobs and kind of just doing some freelance work, before I got my full-time job, I decided to do my yoga teacher training. And because I loved yoga so much and I thought, hey, you know, I could be making money right now if I was a certified yoga teacher. So that was kind of the intention behind it, funny enough. But through that training, I was able to learn so much about myself and so much about how I wanted to really show up in the world. And at that point, it became really clear um, that there was just so much burnout in the music industry and so many people who struggled, whether it's anxiety, depression, or just general burnout and stress that pretty much every human has. It didn't have to be that way. I felt that so many people were just accepting of the fact that being in the music industry was going to be a really hard and relentless um, job to have. And I kind of decided that didn't have to be the case and that I wanted to teach people how to do what they wanted to do and be successful while avoiding all of this burnout and while working through any mental health things that they might have been experiencing. What was the cause of your anxiety? Was it performance anxiety? No, actually, I am perfectly fine on stage. Like you could ask me unexpectedly to get up and sing a song for people and I would be perfectly fine. I could talk, I'd be perfectly fine. Maybe I'd have a little standard nerves, especially in front of a big crowd, but it really wasn't performing anxiety. It was separate. And at first it was like just really random and weird things that would trigger it. Sometimes it just seemed really unrelated and it didn't seem like there was any clear point. But a lot of times, especially in college, it was just like being under massive amounts of stress and expectations that would set me off. So if I was too stressed out, if I felt like I wasn't really like living up to the expectation that I set for myself or for others, or like I didn't get things done good enough or fast enough or whatnot, then that would definitely set it off. And some other like super weird triggers, like for a while, and people might listen to this and be like, this is so weird and I don't resonate at all. And that's okay. You don't have to because everyone truly has their own triggers. But for a while, like certain foods and um, like external circumstances would trigger me. And what I mean by that is not like foods would make me more inflamed, which is true. But I mean, I would be really, really anxious about how I felt physically and almost like anxious about the anxiety coming and me not feeling well, that I would be really nervous to like, eat foods, like I didn't want to get food poisoning. So I wouldn't eat this meat from there. Or if it was hot out, I'd be like, really nervous. What if I got like, shaky, or if I didn't feel well, because of the heat. So like, super really weird. And like, <laughs> intricate stuff like that, that, again, I, it's not like, 
oh, I get nervous getting up on stage. Like it was very peculiar things that I had never even dealt with before. Like all of a sudden it just came on and it came on strong because I was so stressed. My body did not know how to deal with these normal day-to-day stressors anymore. And so it just kind of reverted into this state that was always on edge and would get anxious whenever something would kind of like set me off. So what did you do to overcome that then? It's been a long journey, but I mean, the, the first thing that I did really was try to figure out what patterns I could see and what triggers I could see and then be prepared for those. So if it was like heat or if it was food or something, prepare meals myself, make sure that I had the time and the space to not rush, to do what I needed to do and feel really confident in what I was going to be eating or doing or where I was going to be going for the day and things like that. Um, then from just acknowledging and from doing what I could to prepare, those are the two first steps. I integrated things into my routine to reduce stress. So as I mentioned before, yoga was a huge part of that. Um, mindfulness and a little bit of meditation and journaling and reading before bed. So I got a good night's sleep, making sure I prioritize that. Those were all places I've started. And then for me, I actually always share that I've also worked with natural doctors and functional medicine practitioners to help me um, see where the imbalances in my body are. I'm also someone who's suffered with like allergies and migraines before and things like that. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to have allergies anymore. Like, I don't want to have headaches anymore. I'm, I'm over this. And so I sought out a, other remedies, you know, because what I was doing in the conventional medicine world wasn't working. And so that holistic approach has really helped my anxiety as well, because now I figured out what foods make my body more inflamed, um, what imbalances I may have had that might be worsening any symptoms. Because I think that while there are so many things that can cause or worsen anxiety, a big part of it too is just general inflammation of our physical body. And so reducing that inflammation for me was a really, really big part of helping to ease the anxiety that I was having. You know, it's a funny thing because I would believe that the majority of people aren't in tune with those things. So if that's the case, how do you teach someone? Well, when you say in tune with those things, what specifically do you mean? Like everything I just mentioned? <laughs> yeah, right. Like what foods, in fact, are, are triggers for something or what foods tend to cause inflammation? Yeah. So that is sometimes it's really just experimenting. There are tests you can take. Like there are tests called food sensitivity tests that will, um, there's some debate over them as to like how telling they can be. But a lot of people have had great success where you do like a finger prick, you send it, you send it in, and then the lab will tell you what foods come up as highly sensitive. And then you can eliminate those foods and see if you feel better or worse. But you could also just test, right? Some of the biggest foods in particular, if we were focusing on that are like, gluten is a big one. That was something I eliminated. And it made a huge, huge difference, especially at first. Uh, dairy is another big one that can be in and now of course not everyone has to take out i'm not saying like if you're experiencing this make sure that you cut out gluten and dairy and eggs and stuff like that it doesn't have to be that but those are good places to start because those tend to be the more glaring answers for things that definitely can inflame people but it's really is different for everyone like sometimes it could just be almonds which you think is a super healthy food but for you for some reason your body is just it doesn't go well 
grains for some people like rice and quinoa and things like that. Sometimes people don't do well with any grains whatsoever. Um, so it's some experimentation. I would recommend if you are curious or if you feel like there might be some or multiple foods that are making you feel worse, um, you could just try to take one thing out at a time. Do not overhaul your whole diet and expect to know the answer. Take one thing out for a couple weeks. Notice how you feel without it. If you don't feel any different, you could always reintroduce it. Notice if you feel worse when you reintroduce it. If you feel the same all the way throughout, then yeah, probably you're fine. If you feel so much better when you take it out or you notice you feel so much worse when you bring it back in, that might be a sign that it's not really driving with your body right now and that moving forward, you could take it out and it'll help to kind of like lower inflammation. And just because you're sensitive to something now, you know, obviously I'm not a doctor. This is, I'm speaking purely from my own opinion. This is not medical advice, but you can always just experiment with your body and you never know, like as long as you're not, you know, allergic to something from an anaphylactic perspective, it's not to say that you're going to be sensitive to something for forever, but sometimes our bodies are just so overloaded that if we are eating something that we're somewhat sensitive to, it can just be too much to deal with, you know, <laughs> and stress can be, of course, a big trigger too that causes inflammation. Let's go to burnout. That's something that most people in the music business suffer from. And I know I did on several different occasions in my life where it sneaks up on you before you know it. Many times it's a prerequisite for what you're doing. So tell me about that. How does one deal with burnout? Yeah, I think that if you are already in burnout, which likely means that you're feeling really tired, maybe emotionally drained, you're just you just don't have the energy physically or mentally to really do what you need to do, then do what your body is telling you to do, which is to rest. I think that really that's the only way to get through burnout when you're experiencing it. Do not keep pushing through it because it's only going to make things worse. It's not going to make things better. Now, when you're in that burnout stage, just take care of your body. Try to, you know, listen to what your body is asking for. Feed yourself healthier foods. See if you can make sure that you're hydrated. And it's not about taking anything away, right? I'm not saying like strip your diet and only eat healthy foods. See if you can add in maybe like a smoothie in the morning or the afternoon and just get some extra nutrients in. See if you can add in a couple hours of sleep. See if you can add in um, extra water so that you know you're getting hydrated. So doing those things without taking anything away or without drastically changing your habits all at once, because that also can be quite overwhelming. We don't want to overwhelm during burnout. We just want to do what we can to really nourish the body and rest. And then when you come back, so whether you're you're coming back from burnout or you're in a place where you're kind of feeling like, okay, I'm not quite burnt out yet, but I feel like I might be getting there. The key there is that that's really when you want to pay attention and make sure that you're doing things for yourself that help you reduce that stress on a day-to-day -day basis so that you don't lead to burnout again or, or in the first place. Now, see, for me, I can think of three specific times, although there is more. One was I come off tour and I can remember going into the hot tub and just wanting to stay there for two days. I'd be so burned out. And a good part of that is the fact that you can re relax and do most of those things that you just mentioned. However, there was another time I remember being on tour and already 
after two weeks or so, I was feeling pretty bad. And I looked at the itinerary and I went, oh, another six months. And it immediately took me down the rabbit hole. But there was nothing you could do at that point because we were going to be out no matter what. So it gets very difficult. And then I remember being in the studio where after a bunch of 12, 14, 16 hour days, you were only halfway through the project and you knew it was going to go on for another month maybe. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? But you just kind of buck up and bear it and get through it. So what would be your advice in those situations where there's just no way to take time off? Yeah. And I, I understand that that's, that sometimes is the reality of the situation. In those times, what I recommend is five minutes, five minutes a day or five minute windows throughout the day, depending on how many you know instances of five minutes you can get. Take five minutes to get away, step away, take a break. If you can get grounded by like physically taking your shoes off and stepping into the grass or the sand or whatever nature is around you, that's going to help. Take some time to breathe, whether you actually get out a meditation app and do a meditation or whether you simply just, you know, stand on the ground and take a deep breath and really just get centered. You know, you can put one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach and simply just inhale and exhale through the nose. That five minutes of that is going to help you calm down and get recentered. It's not going to solve all of your problems, right? It's not going to lessen the 16-hour days, but it will help you and it will help your body from being in a constant state of fight or flight, basically, of go, 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 go. Make sure in those instances that you are eating meals because we often forget to do that too. And we don't always think about how that is a stressor on your body. When you are in a state of you know, high stress or high energy, and you're not eating, you're burning through all of the energy reserve that you have in your body. So make sure that you are doing what you can to be fueled up. I have a free recipe guide that I'd be happy to pass along to your listeners. And in that it, it gives you easy meals to make ahead of time. You can bring on tour with you, you can bring in the studio with you. I created them so that most of them are somewhat non-perishable, meaning like you could bring them with you in the morning and eat later on in the day. And it's okay if you're like, you know, not able to have a refrigerator the whole time, but making sure that you have snacks and food on you so that you're not eating crappy food because you just forget to eat all day. And then the only thing around is McDonald's, like doing what you can to be prepared in those instances to nourish your body and to drink water basic stuff, and then to set boundaries where you can. So that might mean like, if you need to go sleep or take a power nap, you say like, guys, I need 20 minutes. I need 20 minutes. And then I will be back. But I just got to like take a super quick power nap. And then I will be recharged and ready to go or saying no to a an event or drinks after the gig so that you can get that extra hour or two of sleep. I know it can be hard sometimes or it can feel hard rather sometimes when you want to go have fun or you want you don't want to miss out on things but you have to just consider what is going to be long better for me in the long run because if you are prioritizing five nights out drinking instead of sleeping yeah you're probably going to feel pretty bad <laughs> afterwards yeah. and so know like what's going to feel better in the long run not necessarily what's going to feel better in the moment what about depression you can be in depression and not actually realize it. 
Yeah, I mean, I am not a psychologist, so I'm not an expert on depression per se. But I think that with any mental um, health disorder that you might be experiencing, or you think you might be experiencing, first things first is to really ask for help and don't be afraid to share what you're going through with someone. So whether you feel more comfortable talking to a friend or a family member and simply saying like, Hey, I haven't really been feeling myself or I've been really anxious lately, or I've been feeling really depressed. Share it with someone because you are not alone. If I mean, if anything, all the work that I've been doing and the community I've created really shows people that they're not alone going through this. There are so many people out there who are dealing with similar things and I, I find, especially, I, I've never experienced depression truly myself, but I know with anxiety, the more you keep it inside, the more it really festers. And the more your mind is able to kind of run with it and create these scenarios that make things worse and really don't serve you in your head. And so I, I truly find that by voicing it and by getting it out there, by sharing it with someone, it is really, really powerful and can help to kind of stop any negative thought patterns that are happening and help you feel more supported in what you're going through. A lot of my clients have also had great experience working with therapy apps like BetterHelp. Those can be affordable and easy access for people. So especially if you are on tour or you are traveling frequently or at gigs or have somewhat of an unpredictable schedule as someone in the music industry, things like BetterHelp are great because you can access them via your cell phone and you can text and things like that. And so you can still get the help and the community support. You know, I, of course I created a community just for this. And then if you need the help of a coach or of a therapist, do not be afraid to get that help. You are not weak for getting that help. You are strong and you will get through this. I had chronic depression for most of my life and didn't even realize it. I was about 40. And I was in the line at a supermarket and I happened to look over at a magazine. It was like Time or something. And the cover story is about depression. Mm. And I picked it up and I started to read it and I thought to myself, that's me. Yeah. And it was the first time that it actually occurred to me that I was suffering from something. So then I went on a couple year quest, tried to get out of it, which you know went through all sorts of therapy, went through medication. Eventually it was a combination of everything. And surprisingly, it wasn't a professional. It was my family doctor that kind of figured it out for me. Mm. I've been better ever since. And I certainly have bouts of being blue and being down like other people, but I know that they're short term going to be getting out of them. Right, right. But I look back and I feel that I lost the first big portion of my life. And when I look back at my behavior and how it was triggered from the depression, you know, a lot of stuff makes sense now that didn't then. So that's why I say sometimes it could be occurring in your life and you're not even sure of why it is, why you're doing things or, you know, being aware that you are in depression. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask what some of the things you were experiencing that you weren't sure what it was or what you were experiencing and kind of why you didn't feel it was depression or why that didn't ring a bell for you? Well, a lot of it was uh, lethargy. I felt that I was operating at 75%. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I would go to 95 or 100% and it would only be for a short period. But I, I knew that there was it was better. It was possible to be higher performing than I was. 
Right, right. That, and also I had fits of anger that came out of nowhere. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I've had that with anxiety as well, and I don't think people realize that that is sort of a symptom or a sign that something is a little bit imbalanced. I remember going off on my band and, at a rehearsal, and everybody looked at me like, that's unusual of you, <laughs> you know? And I didn't know why it happened. And then, again, in the studio once, during a mixing session, I went off on the artist and the producer, and I walked out. Something that I'm very ashamed of till this day of doing, but, it, you know, it, to some degree, it was not my doing. Yeah, yeah. You can get help, and you will feel better. Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for sharing that. And you bring up such a good point, because I do think there are some symptoms like that. Definitely fatigue. and especially anger, irritability, lashing out, those things, that's a sign that something is off. And I've experienced that as well in my journey with anxiety. And sometimes anxiety or depression can just look like you don't really want to do anything. You don't want to go out. You just want to stay inside. You're tired. You just want to stay in bed. But sometimes, yeah, it can look like things that wouldn't normally, so to say, anger you or frustrate you or make you feel um, anxious <laughs> or, or whatnot, they will trigger you. And you might have a reaction where you find yourself yelling or lashing out. And a lot of people just think like, oh, it's just, I'm just angry or I'm just having a bad day. But if you notice that things are really, really easily setting you off, or if that's not how you normally act or react to things, that is a sign that something is up. And it might just be a sign that you need to sleep more and that you're a little overstressed and you need to take a break. Or it might be a sign of something a little bit more serious, depending on what your situation is. So I'm really glad that you shared that with me. Thank you so much. And absolutely, like you said, there are, there are a lot of different ways that people can get help, especially if you do find yourself struggling with any sort of um, mental health disorder, depression, anxiety, no matter what it might be some things work differently for better people, whether it's therapy, whether it's um, some sort of like coach or life coach, food changes, lifestyle changes, medication, all of those things can work together or in isolation, and they will help differently for each person. So it really sometimes does take a little bit of experimentation to find what really works for you. You know, I think the hardest thing about it is when you finally get to the point where you reach out for help, you kind of think that it's going to happen immediately. And it doesn't, especially with medication. It takes two or three weeks until it gets through your system. So that means there's two or three weeks to find out if it's actually working for you at all or if you're going to have an adverse reaction or if it's not enough or, you know, to adjust the dose. So that's a problem and, you know, you don't get that instant feedback. It happens gradually. But, you know, you just have to stick it out or it's not going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Don't give up. This is this is a longer journey. Like you want to be creating a lifestyle and a life that really works for you and that feels good for you, that feels aligned for you. And sometimes that takes time. I mean, even when we were talking about food earlier, when I cut out gluten, I felt terrible for like two weeks. I was so irritable and I was so tired. And I had so much brain fog. And they call that a Herxheimer reaction, which basically means when your body is detoxing so quickly that like your liver and your body cannot keep up with the rate. So you have this kind of negative reaction 
because you're not able to really detox fast enough. And so stuff like that can happen too. Or when you change something, it takes a little bit for your body and your mind to get adjusted to it. It's not always a super quick fix. But it's the changes that over time make such a big difference. And the consistency, that's why too, a lot of people, even if you feel great, like a lot of people will feel great They'll get themselves to a good place. You know, maybe they do yoga all the time. They do yoga like three times a week and they're eating pretty healthy and then they're feeling really good. And then because they're feeling so good, they say, I don't need to go to yoga today. I've been feeling great. So I'm just going to skip it. Or I'm just going to have like a couple extra things that I don't normally eat, but like I'll feel fine because I feel great. But then they kind of keep skipping yoga or they keep eating things that don't make them feel so hot. And then that starts to build up again. And then eventually they're at a place where they're like, what happened? I felt so great. And now all of a sudden I don't again. And it's not to say that you cannot enjoy life and you have to be super strict about everything you're doing. But it's to say that it really does make a difference how you are being intentional with how you spend every single day. And, you know, not skipping yoga, even when you do feel great or not eating terribly, even if you feel like, it's gonna be fine. But making sure you know, like, hey, this stuff tends to build up in my system. So let me be mindful and not overdo it. Like, it's about knowing your own body and making sure that you are staying with what you need to do to really keep that baseline equilibrium, I feel good level at a good place. You know, it's really hard to follow your diet, especially when you're on the road or even in the studio to some degree. If you're on the road in certain parts of, well, even the United States, you know, there's just not a lot of alternatives, even if you're not a vegan or, you know, you're not cognizant of gluten, just, you know, being a vegetarian is very difficult sometimes. I, I remember being in Korea and I'm a vegetarian. I've been like that since 1983. Oh, wow. And the bad part is I don't think there's a fresh vegetable in that whole country. You know, if it's not kimchi, you know, you, it's all pork. Yeah, that, yeah. That was the only place I can ever remember having a hard time. Everywhere else was fairly easy. But again, that's just being a vegetarian. If you're non-gluten, that must be tough in some places. You know, it was at first, and I'm not vegan or vegetarian. I do eat meat. Um, I do tend to stay away from dairy when I can, just because I noticed that I will literally, like, I've had eczema too, and it'll literally flare up skin issues for me. And so it's taken me a while to figure that out, but I noticed it and I'm like, you know, I got to stay away from it when I can. And gluten was really hard at first, but then you do just get used to it and you start to figure out what works for you. And sometimes it does include like learning some new recipes and figuring things out more than anything. It, it tends to be just preparedness. Um, but there are also like hacks, like if you're gluten-free and you're at a bar that has nothing gluten-free on it, you could always get like a burger with like a lettuce bun, aka lettuce around it, or with no bun and, you know, just eat just the burger. Like there's always hacks to go about it, but I like to have some staple meals that I can always go to that are super easy to make. Like I'll often make a salad with chickpeas on it um, and maybe some avocado and cucumbers and most of that stuff I can like have with me, maybe not the lettuce that you have to keep refrigerated, obviously, but, <laughs> but yeah. most of that stuff, like it's pretty easy to make. And like, if you're going to eat it or make it and eat it within the span of the day, it's not going to go like bad on you, like meat wood, of course, or, or anything dairy wood. But 
having staple meals and staple snacks. So there's a lot of really good organic um, gluten-free protein bars out there that you can get that will really fill you up if you're in between stuff and you have to like wait a little bit longer to get a meal or find a meal. And um, snack, I mean, snacks like bananas and oranges and stuff like that. That's super easy to have around and it's not going to go bad on you, but will keep you full and keep you nourished. Those are, are really great kind of hacks. And then I like to bake too. So sometimes I'll bake like gluten-free banana bread with oat flour or something like that. Um, or muffins and take those with me and kind of use it as like bread. So to say, I mean, like if you take banana bread, gluten-free banana bread and put some peanut butter on it, that is a great snack if you ask me. So there are ways to go about it. If you make any change, especially a diet change, which again, I'm not suggesting you have to do, it's really just figuring out what works for you. But if you notice, hey, gluten or dairy or something really does not make me feel good, just do the best you can. And sometimes it's not always going to be the the most glamorous option, or sometimes it might be eating a salad at McDonald's instead of the burger or whatever. But you just have to do the best you can and make the best choice that you can. And it's okay. Like there will be days where maybe you slip up or maybe you eat something you didn't really want to eat, or maybe it's doesn't taste super great, but just do the best you can. That's, that's really what it comes down to. I know you do one-on-one coaching. The people that come to you for that, what are they like? What are they looking for? Yeah. Most of the clients that I work with, they're indie artists who are really looking to grow their career and they are trying to figure out how to do it in a way that's not so overwhelming. So they are people who feel really overwhelmed. They might work part-time or full-time outside of being a musician and they find themselves with feeling like they have no time, feeling really stressed out and feeling super overwhelmed with everything that they want to get done. And so what I help them do is I basically take them through a process where we get super clear on their goals. We get really clear on what's not working in their life and their routine right now. And we see where we can adjust that. Then we set a foundation for wellness, very simple and easy changes so that they can start to reduce stress day to day in their life. Um, And then we'll also work on any time management that they have so that they can get hours back into their day and work smarter, not harder, start to work more efficiently so that they can get more done in less time. And then the other big part that I work on with my clients is mindset. Because I really believe that Mindset is kind of the missing piece of wellness that we don't always talk about. And what I mean by mindset is things like limiting beliefs or imposter syndrome or negative mindset thought patterns that can often come up as musicians, especially when we're in a world where, you know, social media is there and we can easily compare ourselves to people or it feels like we're just not good enough and it's so hard to, you know, make it as a musician and I don't even know why I'm doing this. Those things can be really big stressors. And even if you're feeling really well physically and mentally, but you have that negative loop in your head, that will often stop people and really hold people back from stepping into the career that they are really, they're ready for, that they want, and really being able to reach their goals with confidence. So that's an ongoing thing that even as you progress and as you reach new levels and as your schedule changes and whatnot, all of these things need to be readdressed and relooked at as you move through stages of life, especially mindset, because that's always something that you'll want to keep working on and keep doing that personal development, keep growing with. Tell me about your podcast, Katie. 
Yeah. So the podcast is called the out to be podcast. It focuses on wellness and mental health in the music industry. And on it, not only do I talk to musicians and music industry professionals who share their stories and maybe their music around these areas of self-development and mental health, but I also will talk with um, experts in the music industry. We just had on um, a vocal expert. She was telling us about how our mindset can affect how we perform and our and our voice and singing. And I'll talk with health professionals as well, just to really talk about all these other areas where it's not just, you know, tips and tricks and hacks and all these things you need to do to get ahead in the industry, but more about how we can really nourish ourselves and, and take care of our minds and grow and do that personal development, which benefits us as an artist and how we can support ourselves when things do get a little bit crazy and busy as, as musicians. Last question, Katie, what's the best piece of business advice that maybe you learned along the way, or maybe somebody imparted to you? Oh, that is such a good question. I think that one of the, and I don't really know if somebody said this specifically to me, but it was something that I just kind of picked up during my yoga teacher training, but it's something that I really take as business advice, which is that nothing is truly urgent and that you can get everything done, but you do not have to walk around with a chicken with your head cut off. Like (laughs) you can absolutely get everything done and taking a deep breath and really just being mindful and intentional about what is in front of you is going to get you further than reacting to things in the moment. You can find out more about Katie and her programs and podcast at katiezacardi.com. That's Katie Zaccardi, Z-A-C-C-A-R-D-I, all one word, dot com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyoinnercircle.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.